Hey everyone, and welcome to the Vince Sanders Complete Fitness Podcast. These podcasts are all designed to help us understand each other a little better, come together as a community, and just spread a little bit more of the love. Um, in these episodes, we have various guests talking about different subjects that some of you may know about, some of you may not, but hopefully you all leave with a better understanding of them. Uh, if you enjoy them, please pass them on to your friends, and I look forward to any comments you'd like to leave. So let's get into today's episode. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's podcast. Apologies that there was no podcast last week but um, I was absolutely slammed with getting new clients on board and the kids still being off school and just general life shit. So we are back. We are in for those of you watching my bedroom so I've draped my ostentatiously large yellow surf poncho over all of the stuff on my desk because haha the deception so today we are going to talk about something that i have been dealing with recently uh more of a mental health thing and it is the fear of failure and adversely the fear of success and we know we've touched on these topics before but i'm going to go into something a little bit more detail so first of all the fear of failure is something that grips all of us. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, there are plenty of times when I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and my heart racing because I've had a dream that my business has flopped and I've lost everything and I've failed. It's something that plagues us all. Uh, to put it into more practical terms, a lot of people won't start something or they may self-sabotage because they feel that they're going to fail anyway, which again is not something that we want to get into the habit of because you want to be moving forward and trying to be successful as much as possible and striving to do more and more. The other thing that comes with this is a fear of being happy because success brings happiness, or at least it should do. For some people, happiness is a scary thing. They don't like the idea of happiness going away, so they tend to keep themselves shut off. They won't venture into things and they will be very, the moment they become happy, they become anxious and it taints that moment of being happy to, you know, so to the point where it's not worth doing anymore. We obviously don't want that to happen. So what we need to realize is why we feel that way. Why, why are we scared of happiness? And humans are scared of happiness, which sounds absolutely bizarre, but we are. It's because we can't quantify it, as has been previously stated beforehand. Um, sorry, those of you that are watching this are going to be really annoyed with me not being able to sort my hair out. Because this camera actually reverses everything. So my stupid brain can't figure that out. Anyway, we fear happiness because we can't quantify it. We don't actually know how happy we can be. And I've said this on numerous occasions, right? You know how sad you can be. You know how sad you can be because we've been sad and we've been really sad. We've even been the saddest we've ever been sometimes and we know what that feels like and we know what we don't want to be, which is that sad. Happiness is, you, you can always be happier than the last time you were happy. Now, you you can be sadder than the last time you were sad, but we all know that the end result of ultimate sadness is you not wishing to be here anymore. And it has to be said, because it's a very real realisation for some people that they are that miserable, that they're situate and this is the other thing as well I had this conversation with a client the other day suicide isn't about ending your life as in the physical sense it's about ending your life in the situational sense you you don't want to be in the situation anymore you don't want to be where you are who you're with what you're doing how you're feeling 
you know, in, insert, you know, whatever subject you want there. It has nothing to do with your existence per se, as in you, you want your heart to stop beating. That's not what it's about. What you are is relative, you know, incredibly stuck in a situation that is bringing you absolute misery. And the only way you can think to get out of it is by unfortunately going, you know, maybe this is it. So we know what ultimate sadness is. We've, we've seen it. We may have experienced it. We may have gone down that road or at least contemplated it. So we know where that dark road takes us. Now, the path into the light of happiness, if we're going to go in contrast, it's kind of limitless. How, how happy can you be? Is there a cap on happiness? The answer is no. There isn't a cap on happiness. How could we possibly quantify happiness? Because if we could quantify it, either you'd chase it all day long to the extent of everything else, or when you found it, it would be very devastating to know that you couldn't get any better than this, which is why it's a very funny emotion to have. And when you don't get moments of happiness very often the other thing that happens with happiness is it's supposed to dissipate it's supposed to be fleeting you're supposed to constantly pursue happiness because that's what gives us our dopamine response it helps with our serotonin response and this as creatures that rely on those two chemicals we have to have reasons to go and find it otherwise we'd sit around and do nothing all day you know it's the old would joke um in the psychology world that if we had found happiness and I mean, ultimate happiness, whilst we were still developing as humans, we wouldn't have got this far because we would have had everything we wanted. Imagine being as happy as you could possibly be because you found a piece of fruit on a tree that tasted very good. That's it. Game over. I found my happiness. Why would I ever want to pursue anything more than this? So it actually makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint, as well as an emotional one, that feeling good, winning, happiness, uh, emotional security for a while should fluctuate now i'm not saying it should take a nosedive in a tank every time but ideally it, it undulates you know you get happy it comes down it gets happy it comes down ideally we want to be happy to neutral not happy to sad because then we have to look at other reasons of why that might be but it's not something you know if you can be good all the time i mean talking really happy is something that should peak and trough it's like a wave it should uh, build and crest build and crest build and crest otherwise if you're permanently up all the time the come down is devastating and also you're not really inclined to do anything else once you've reached it. And, th and this is something that the human body can't deal with very well, which is the opposite end. If nothing brings you joy, you have no reason to do anything. If the first thing you've done is given you the most joy, well then there's no reason to do anything else, which is why we can't quantify it because we shouldn't be able to. Because if we could quantify it, we'd find it and we'd stop. The problem is though, is if you aren't, regularly finding happiness or you're unsettled or you're not you know necessarily in a good headspace having that happiness go away is terrifying it really is it's genuinely scary to think that oh god i might not feel this again for a long time and that's why people will tend to shy away from that so that's another reason why happiness can make you feel anxious you know, you wake up in a good mood and you think, oh God, how long is this going to last when it goes away? Because I know it's going to. The answer is actually, yes, it is going to. It should go away. It should be something that comes and goes and something you should be able to let go of because if you don't, you'll, you'll, you'll squeeze the life and the joy out of it anyway. Um, I've done uh, a video on this, which I'll probably release as a as a little podcast almost uh like a a voice note kind of thing because I, I made some points like this in there 
But you want to be able to let that win go and that happiness go because you ideally want to feel confident enough that you'll find happiness again. Anyway, back onto the fear of failure. If you have not found what your particular thing is, what you're good at, what you enjoy doing yet, it can be very difficult to succeed in these areas because you're not passionate about it. Success is only built through passion and genius is only built through passion. The only reason anybody becomes a genius is because they're passionate about something and they keep going with it. Yes, there is a base degree of intelligence that is required to find that you enjoy it, but mainly it is just down to an inquisitive nature and persistence If you and passion. If you are passionate about something, you want to learn more about it and you will keep going until you know all there is to know about it, which is why we see people who master things and become, you know, classes, geniuses and whatever. It's only because they keep pursuing knowledge, really. On the most part, there are some people that are just geniuses, you know, they're just incredibly clever people, but there's still a passion involved there somewhere because there's too many intelligent people that waste their intelligence because they're not passionate about anything. So, you know, case in point. The other thing is you can feel pressured by those around you. Now, the people I've been talking to genuinely are comparing themselves to somebody else, either somebody they know, it's parental pressure, you know, oh, sibling A is doing so well, what are you doing? When are you going to sort yourself out? Don't take this job because it's not a good job. You know, no girl or man's ever going to want you if you dress like this or you have to work like that and blah, blah, blah. Now, all of that's crap. There is somebody out there for everybody. Like the Personal sexual attraction preferences are so personal that there is literally a niche for everybody, which is why when it comes to people attacking one another for who they do or don't find attractive and saying, oh, well, you're whatever, a phobic because you don't find this person attractive. It's, like, it, it makes, it's a non-plus. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like your preference is your preference. And that is all there is to it. And knowing that you have a preference by absolute rules of opposites means that you are somebody's preference. You are somebody's preference. You just might have to put yourself out there a little bit to find it. If you're comparing yourself to everybody else who's getting their shit together, so to speak, again, it's very it's a dangerous road to fall down, but it's not very accurate because unless you're actually talking to that person and finding out why they, quote-unquote, have their shit together, you are generally going to be stumbling around in the dark just thinking, oh, everybody else is doing more than I am. As has been previously stated, it's just down to consistency and passion. I have had people come to me and say, you've got everything, you're so dialed in, you know, you've got everything sorted out, you seem to be doing really well. To be honest, most of the time I don't. Most of the time I'm not winging it because I'm, I'm past that stage now, but I, nothing's ever completely set in stone. Nothing's ever completely right. But because I'm passionate about my job, I love what I do, and I'm constantly moving forward and trying to learn more about how to do it, it looks like I've got my shit together. But actually, I'm just as nervous as everybody else. But what I've decided is, is that my passion drives me to keep going, which allows me to get through these harder times. Now, if you're trying to become successful at something you're not passionate about i mean power to you power to you but good luck good luck it's not as easy as it sounds and this is the trouble again with the social media generation and stuff oh you can be anything you want to be you can be a success yeah just be a success it's like it's not quite that way inclined i mean for the generation that is i'd say the real bottom end of my generation, 
So, I mean, I'm 33 this year. Somebody who's 25, maybe down to 23 or so. You know, that, that top end of the bottom end of my generation, per se, because they're right down the other end of it. They are under the impression that everything is going to be easier because everybody in everybody on social media is killing it and crushing it. You can become an influencer overnight. You can do this, you can do that. And like, yeah, okay, you can do, but it's not, it isn't that easy. When you discover these people, they're already at their top. You haven't seen them in the growing phase. Some of them you might have done, but even then they were just passionate about something. They kept doing it. Even if being famous is what you're passionate about, you still have to work at it because you have to get people to think, want you to be famous. You know, you don't just become famous because you feel like it. The other thing is, is that we also have parents, and not all cases, I'm very lucky that my parents have been very supportive of everything that I've done, even if they didn't agree with it, they were very much, look, this is what you want to do, and you're passionate about it, go ahead and do it. But there are certain cultures, um, some of the, the clients that I train come from slightly different cultures, um, some of my clients have very old fashioned style parents and they have a very set idea of what a man should be doing as a job and what a woman should be doing as a job if they should have a job at all, more importantly in some cases. And the trouble is you're living up to expectations of a generation and life that doesn't exist anymore. And this can be very difficult to fathom. So, you know, you've got parents saying, you know, this job um, isn't good for you. How are you going to get a wife with a job like that? Is, is a genuine line that has been has been said. And it is said a lot in certain communities. Um, well, yeah, I'd say, I'd say communities more than certain ethnic groups because even still, there are still plenty of communities across the world that still look down on certain jobs. But the difference is, is you, you're not living through them. You know, you're living for yourself. And if the job that is deemed unworthy is something you enjoy doing become great at it, you know, keep going, keep pushing for that, because at the end of the day, you have to do the job. It's all in a good saying that, you know, success, you know, is earning X amount of money and, and working in an office. Well, if you hate working in an office and money doesn't mean anything to you, that's not success. And this is what I'm sort of leading to in the sense of success is a personal ideal, Success like happiness is something that nobody can really quantify. Now, we could say you could earn lots of money. could be successful. Okay, great, fine, you've earned lots of money. Well, with more money comes more stress. And that is always the case. Always the case. The more money you earn, the more stress you have. For one of two reasons. One, you have to work really bloody hard to earn that money. Or two, all the legal and the taxes and all that other shit that comes with earning that money. So if you put it to, if you work for somebody and you earn lots of money... You're going to do a fuck ton of work because if they want to pay you big money, you've got to be doing a big job. If you're self-employed and earn lots of money, it's a lot of payroll and, and back-end and admin stuff that you have to do and then you have to take on employees, etc., etc. So chasing the money is not, in my eyes, a measure of success. But it is for some people and that's fine. If that's your measure of success, you kind of will go in and you'll accept all that because that's what you've always wanted to do. Now... Ideally, in, a, in an ideal world, what we should be looking for essentially is success being, are you happy more often than not? Not happy all the time, because as we said, we can't be happy all the time. Every aspect of life comes with some element of stress, which it does. But do you wake up in the morning dreading your day? Do you wake up 
hating what you do? Can you live your life? Can you pay your bills? Can you support your family? Can you help a friend? If you can do all these things whilst earning whatever amount you earn, is that not success? Maybe. Again, I can't say in 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 whole terms because everybody's idea of success is different. I have a friend who is all about the money. Man will can start up companies like that. He's great at it. He chases it and it gives him energy to go up and do that. For me, money is a byproduct of doing what I do. I have to pay bills. I have to charge a fee for what I do. But I enjoy what I do and I try and give the best possible service. And my idea is to create a platform which is being built right now, which is very exciting and also terrifying. As I said, you know, me having my crap together comes at a great cost sometimes to my own nerves. Is creating something that allows people to help themselves and build a community and just create something that's there to help that wasn't there before. Now, that's my idea of success. Now... Could I go back for working for somebody else? Yeah, I don't want to, but I could. Because at the end of the day, I've got kids another half. So if I have to go dig ditches all day, that's what I'll go and do. I'll go back to do some manual work, spend a day out, you know, digging holes in the rain, fine. I could do what I could do. But I think we get wrapped up in this idea of success that isn't our own. We look at everybody else. We look at these quote-unquote successful people, property developers, entrepreneurs, and everybody wants to be an entrepreneur right now. And so I think not everybody can be an entrepreneur and it sounds like a really counterproductive thing to say you can be anything you want to be you can't be anything you want to be you can't because otherwise everybody would be everything you know deep down what you are what you like and what brings you joy and success in my humble opinion would be creating a career if you can out of that whatever it is if you like manual work become a laborer get paid every day do your work go home day's yours fine perfect one day you might run your own laboring company go do a trade whatever you want and master it why not if you if you're passionate about it you love doing it master it the problem is, is that it all requires hard work. All success requires hard work and you are not going to work hard if you're not doing something that you enjoy or you're passionate about. And I've been there and I've done it and I've done the crappy jobs. I've done this job that I love in a place that killed my absolute soul and I left because I had to, to keep doing what I wanted to do. I had to find somewhere better to do it and luckily I have. But I think this is the trouble. This whole... You've got to hustle and you've got to grind. Yes, you do. Success will never just be thrown into your lap. There may be a degree of talent. You may have got in front of the right people. But even if somebody's given you the opportunity, you still have to take it and you still have to run with it. Because just because somebody's given you an opportunity doesn't mean they're going to carry you. The problem is, is that we get stuck in this sunken interest fallacy. That is, we've invested too much of our time, too much of our energy, too much of our money into a venture. It's not giving you any joy. You hate every second of it, but you won't leave because you put too much time and energy into it. It happens with relationships as well. And it's like, at some point, there is no return on investment. You're not, you're not feeling happy and good about this anymore. You are genuinely fed up. You hate it. 
It's not really making you any more or less money. You could go and do a different job for the same money, but because you put all this time and effort in and you're told that you should grind and you should hustle, that you keep going. And then you resent success because by all accounts, yes, you're successful, you're earning money, you have a good lifestyle, but you hate every second of it. So what's the point? On the other side of it, so that, that's old generation, right? Old generation is work hard, feel the grind, etc., etc. I'm just going to move my extension before I kick my computer off. And the new school way of thinking is to work smart. Not a bad idea. Work smart instead of work hard, right? Great. How smart? How how smart is smart? Do you know how to work smart? Can you even make your job smarter? Can you actually change the details of your job? If you can't, and you're pursuing, and this is the trouble with the younger end of my generation, not to sound like a crotchety old man, but what I see a lot of is people trying to hack everything all the time. Constantly trying to hack everything. Yeah, but if I just do it like this, if I just do it like that, or if I just get this, if I just get that, it's like, or have that in mind, but actually do a bit of the graph first. You don't have to work hard all the time, but you shouldn't be adverting to working hard. And this is, especially in my industry, is why the turnover of personal trainers is generally, you know, personal trainers drop off after a couple of years because they realize that it's actually really hard work to build yourself up because your entire business really is built on reputation. What can you deliver? Which is why, and this is another reason why social proof can be an interesting one because it turns out you can buy social proof now, which is hilarious. We've, uh, me and my business coach were talking about this uh, late into last year that, before and after pictures can be bought now. Stock, literally stock images. And you didn't even train these people, but it entices people in. Now, I don't use before and after images unless somebody's taken them themselves because my work is very much mental health-based, about body image, etc., etc. So plastering pictures up over the internet is not what they're looking for. Sometimes they want to celebrate, sometimes they don't. That is their personal choice. So it's... My, my industry, as I've said, is the churn rate is ridiculous. Now, some people muddle along and they never break out of that zone of, you know, it's taking it to the next level. Now, I'm just doing that now and it's taken me eight years to do this. And as I've said before in previous podcasts, I came to the game late. I was 25 when I qualified as a personal trainer. I had two children already which has instantly put me on the back foot because I don't have all the time in the world to train people and I've never really been... I like to play sports, but I never played anything professionally. I like to go to the gym, but I never really looked shredded. I never done anything with it. I just enjoyed moving around. It's helped me build this brand because I understood all the other bits that were missing from the general people that become PTs, but it was a very hard platform to start with. And had I not had it instilled into me from my father who has worked incredibly hard his entire life but also only worked as hard as he was willing to work it's allowed me to find that balance and I think that's a good segue into the other part of success is that my my dad is a plumber has been a plumber for I want to say 34 35 years because I think he just started just before I was born um and he was semi-retired at 50. And I mean by that is that he'd paid his mortgage off because he worked really hard to do that. Took on jobs he didn't wanted. Worked hours he didn't want to work. Always did a really good job. Built his reputation up. And at 50, 
he went into semi-retirement. He paid his mortgage off, which was always his plan. And he had a plan. And he stuck to it, and he lived a relatively com- he lives a relatively comfortable life. He works when he wants to work. He works enough to pay his bills, and the rest is about maintaining a good work-life balance. Now, what you know, this isn't just a homage to my dad because that is the model that we all want, isn't it? We'd all like to be semi-retired at fifty, and you know, living. Uh, uh, where somebody rings you up for a job and you go, yeah, I don't really feel like that one. Or, yeah, I'll take that one on. And then, you know, do the job and spend two weeks potting around your garden in the sun for the next, you know, afterwards. But more importantly, the thing is, and this is where I said, like, more money comes with more stress, is that his friends are high earners, you know, big money players working in the cities. You know, one of them was an auditor for Burberry going around and, you know, doing all this high-flying stuff. And they all turned around and said they envied my dad because he had what they classed as success. He can pay his bills. He can go on holiday. He can go out down the pub if he feels like it, but he's not stressed out. And this is where I'm lucky because this is the model that I want to run to. Like, I will always work hard for the people that need me to work hard for them. But at the same time, I'm not going to work hard for the sake of working hard, which is where... The combining two fronts is you work hard, but you also work smart comes in. So I wouldn't say I am successful just yet, but I wouldn't say I'm in the failure part. So when you berate yourself for, or you're scared of failing because you feel you already are a failure, and this is the biggest thing. If you feel that you're a failure, you're more likely to fail. The reason being is not because you are incompetent, not because you are in fact a failure, but because you've got so used to being a failure or the fuck up or the clown or the one that doesn't really do much. It's very hard to break that persona because that's what you've begun to think about yourself. You then see yourself as somebody who's always the failure. So if you do do well, you assume that everybody's waiting for you to fail. Now, if you've surrounded yourself with a good bunch of people, they shouldn't want you to fail anyway. They should actually generally encourage you and um, you know, push you to pursue ventures that are going to make you successful. But it's very hard to shake that baggage off your back that, you know, well, I always fail. I've never been good at anything. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the, you know, the strongest. So I can't, you know, do X, Y, Z. But... You then, if that's in your head, the first thing you'll do is self-sabotage. And I've seen it happen too many times to people who who didn't really need to self-sabotage. Things were going very well, but they panic. And they panic because they think, but I am a screw-up. I do, I am a failure. I have never done anything right. So why why on earth would I be able to manage it now? And the, the trouble is, is that it's actually getting stuck in that loop that is probably perpetuating that fear of failure. Because you don't want to fail, but you're also terrified to do well in case it goes bad. And the difference is, is that if you can find people that encourage you and lift you up when you fail and you can go over what happened and learn from it, then failure becomes a very useful tool. The trouble is if you're constantly being berated for failure and being told that you're not doing anything or you're constantly comparing yourself to other people who seem quote-unquote successful or you know, family members and friends are constantly like reminding you of how well somebody else is doing, either a sibling or another friend, etc., etc. Your environment isn't set for you to succeed anyway, which makes it even more difficult. So ideally, that's the first thing you want to be looking at is really going, right, am I in an environment for growth, which is a topic we've spoken about before. Because when you do find that environment that allows you to make mistakes and keep going when you find what your passion is 
because it's very easy to become successful in something you're passionate about, then all of a sudden failure becomes less of an issue. But this, you know, it's all going to get me saying on a podcast, oh, just find the right people and, and find out what you're passionate about. It's not as easy as that. It really isn't. You know, I know that. As I flitted around. I had so many ideas of what I was going to do job-wise. I am meeting up with a friend on the weekend who, out of my four friends at school, I'm the only one that didn't do what they set out to do in school. The friend I'm going to see, guitar teacher. Very, very good guitar teacher, actually. So if anybody listening to this is interested in uh, learning the guitar, he does uh, online tutoring and face-to-face, so do hit me up. But he is... A guitar teacher, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to play guitar. He learned, he became grade 8 classically trained. He's a full tutor. He's an incredible player. But he did it because he was passionate about it. And that's what drove him to do what he needed to do. He's had some rubbishy jobs along the way, but he essentially has got where he wanted to be. Another friend of mine wanted to be an accountant. What the hell kind of kid wants to be an accountant? I don't know, but he wanted to be one. And because he was passionate about it, he now is one. My other friend out of the group, wanted to be a geologist. Again, he was the only kid who could have a rock collection and be actually cool with it. Um, And he is a geologist because he put the work in, because he knew what was required to do the thing that he wanted to do. But they knew what they wanted to do from a young age. Now, I did performing arts. I wanted to be an actor. No surprise there. And I did performing arts in school. Um, I am partially dyslexic and due to things that were going on at home at the time and during GCSEs, I didn't bother. I had the intelligence... I always had the intelligence, but because I wasn't interested and I wasn't passionate about it anymore, I didn't really bother. Carried on doing performing arts in college. I then became a lifeguard, which was a complete segue into a different industry. Bumbled around doing lifeguarding, sports coaching, swim teaching, aqua aerobics, you name it. And then all of a sudden became a personal trainer because I fell in love with the process and the science and figuring out how people work. So the, the journey can be long but if you go in with an open mind each failure is just a tick off the box of that's something else you don't want to do it's not something you failed at it's essentially you going that's not for me that's not what i want to do but you will pick up little elements of each bit now i knew that from lifeguarding i enjoyed being around a gym space i enjoyed the element of fitness that i had to keep up for doing lifeguarding because you you are tested religiously um to make sure you can still do the job because it does require a certain amount of activity i like the physical element of it didn't really like the thought of being in an office or stuck in one place i like being able to move around then as i did but i didn't like the the long hours and the, and the structure of it you know the the late early mornings and into late starts was pretty rubbishy but the money was pretty consistent and i needed to support my kids and, and support myself then sports coaching came along Oh, lifeguarding, I started off when I was younger and I liked the certain elements of it. And then I moved to a holiday park and I liked the hustle and bustle. I liked meeting new people. I liked figuring out how to make new relationships with people. Didn't particularly like the money at the time. So I realized that maybe, you know, getting into lifeguarding and moving up the ladder wasn't really for me because it was still stuck in an industry that was very hamstrung. But then I got to do some sports coaching. Now that's where things started to change. I was pretty good at it. I enjoyed it. I liked the show of it. My drama training and acting training came in great because I could hold a crowd but I found out I was good at the technical side of things you know I could correct people's techniques I could start 
doing these little things with rifle shooting and archery and rock climbing and building confidence in people, you know, getting somebody who's terrified of heights to climb up three rungs on, on the wall was a great feeling. Getting a kid who couldn't hit the target at the beginning of an archery session to smash the bullseye with three arrows, great feeling. What I didn't like was the inconsistency of it. It's difficult to maintain that kind of stuff. And also, you know, the, it was a little bit too sporadic, you know, getting people in every week. You know, these, I'm saying that these are little things that you find along the way. There's bits that you like, bits that you don't. So these are things you keep hold of. Then when I finally came back to lifeguarding again when my daughter was born, uh, well, and I did security for a long period of time and thought about that. And I was like, nope, can't get into that for various reasons. And I was given the opportunity to swim teach. Now, this is where the whole coaching side of thing came in. And I really took to it. And I actually was generally thinking about opening up my own swim school at one stage. Who knows? It might end up that way one day. But what it really did was get me into the idea of coaching people and teaching. And that's when I realized that's what I wanted to do. All of the skills I've learned along the way from failing. And don't get me wrong. I did. I either got fired from these jobs or I quit these jobs. Or I was like, I've had enough. I'm walking out. I'm not doing it anymore which drove everybody insane. I can imagine, I can assure you in a 10-year period, I jumped so many jobs because I was just like, don't want to do this anymore. But what I took from it was the means to get to where I am now. And I've done this consistently for eight years. There have been ups and downs and I've failed more often than not. I have trialed so many different things in this job and some of them have flopped royally. A great expense to myself in both time, money and emotional commitment. I have failed countless times. But because... Through all those mistakes in the past and quitting jobs, I found out what I want to do. Now what we do is we look at those failures as a learning curve. Now, if nobody's encouraged you to do that before, it's going to be like a very alien concept. But there is nothing wrong with failing. And that it's not failure as long as you're learning from it. If you fail and give up, and again, if that's the best option, again, it's not even really failing. But if you can take from things, why did it fail? Why didn't it go well? These are the things that we take from these failures so that the next time you know what it's coming from. But if nobody's encouraging you to do that, you're just going to see it as a failure. You're a failure. There's no point in trying anything. I'm not doing it anymore. So be careful the language you use to yourself. Be careful the language that others around you use. You know, we all see that story that, you know, the guy who, old Colonel Sanders, um, didn't start KFC until he was in his 60s. You know, there's a few entrepreneurs and stuff. Well, you know, big businesses that didn't start until much later on in life and they failed so many times. The trouble is when you read those stories, you can't get a sense of what failure can be like and it can be crushing. It really can. And it's all well and good saying, you know, don't give up, you can still keep going. But they're not explaining to you what happens during that process. What are you supposed to take away from that failure? What are you supposed to learn from it? Are you supposed to keep digging deep? It wasn't that this guy kept trying and kept trying again and kept trying. Or was it that he actually jumped from job to job to job until he found the one to do it? You don't know because you're just told that inspirational story that somebody took 35 years to get to the top. And all of a sudden, they're there and you go, oh, well, that's what it is. It's just a matter of time. It's like, it's, it is that, but there's there's more to it as well. You have to steal yourself for a lot of failure and not fear it to keep going. So I hope for those of you that have been fearing going into something, and the trouble is coming out of lockdown is another thing. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there now that people can take because the world did get a big reset. Lots of places are opening up. There's a chance to try new ventures. I know a lot of you are apprehensive about this, that you are scared, that you 
are anxious, that you're thinking, you know, there's no point trying because I'm only going to mess it up, etc., etc. You know what? There is a chance you might. There is a chance you might make a decision. It's the wrong one. But it doesn't matter because it's not the last decision you'll ever make. You can try something new. You can go on to try better things. You can learn from these points. But don't fear trying through fear of failure. Failure can happen, but you can learn from it. If you're still nervous, as always, reach out to me. We can talk about this. We can find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. We can find out what you're passionate about. Because half of the time, you don't. most people don't know what they're passionate about. Or, more importantly, what they think is what they're passionate about can't be turned into a career or success. Because either A, nobody else is doing it, or B, someone's told you that it is, in fact, the wrong thing. And the first and only point I will make on that is, is that if you're passionate about it, it's not wrong. I mean, unless it's like killing people because that would just be dumb. But if you've got an idea and you're passionate about it, through the power of technology now, you can turn it into something that could become lucrative for you. You also just have to be aware that the more successful you get, the more stress that comes with it. So be, know how much you're prepared to deal with. Aim to get to that point. You found your success. It's been good to get back to you guys. Um, little update on what's going on with the membership sites and stuff. You will probably see funnels and adverts going out soon because we're just finalizing those um, for when the final build is done. I'm genuinely looking forward to this. It's starting to come together really, really well now. I'm quite excited about it, which is great. It looks fantastic. They've done an amazing job. Um, and this is only the rough draft, so I cannot wait for the finished article. And it will only build and only get better. So keep your eyes peeled for it. As soon as I can release something, I will do. I'm itching to, but we've just got to wait for a thing to come out because if I release it too early and everyone starts asking questions, I've got nothing else to show them, which is the way things go, unfortunately. So sit tight, guys. Thank you for sticking with me. And if you have anything you ever want me to cover, please ask. And as I said before, if you need excuse me, to chat about anything, if anything's getting on your mind, just message me. We will arrange a call and we'll get it done. Take care, guys. Speak to you soon. And that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments, good or bad, we'd love to hear from you because it always helps us improve or to keep doing what you enjoy hearing. We will be back soon with another episode, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe so you know where it is, and we'll speak to you all soon. Bye.